Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. Cannabis happened not by accident, but I didn't know that the seeds that I had planted, finding a way to connect my yoga practice with my legal practice would grow into working in the cannabis industry. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome back to the Cannamom Show, where we are talking about caring for and giving advice to women in the cannabis industry, one canna story at a time. Hey, Dave, have you heard of this tradition, uh, Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving? No, <laughs> thanks. Oh, okay. I was wondering. It's like, yeah, I've heard of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving? With a D. Okay. No, I have not. Please explain. All right. So more education on the Cannamom <laughs> Show. So there was a story today in the New York Times, which I actually say this over and over again. I actually got a newspaper delivered to my house. I know this probably seems very archaic. And I find, you know, I find, read different things. When I get the paper, I read different things in online. So it's great. I used to be a newspaper guy. So I appreciate that some people are not afraid to get their fing fingers a little inky. Still. And, and find stuff new. Anyway, so stuff, yeah. maybe I would have found it. It was a full page story about Thanksgiving, basically connecting cannabis, which is dank. It's a hip term. Okay. And Thanksgiving. And it. it's a normalized Thanksgiving with cannabis infused foods and people can consume. And it's like joining um, like your traditional grandma Thanksgiving with uh, going to your best pros you know, <laughs> house. I don't know. <laughs> so, so does everything have cannabis in it? 
like the cranberry sauce and the gravy and so there are different ways to infuse which we've learned on the show because we've had different people come and talk about it right. you can actually infuse the food or you can refuse in, infuse. infuse you can infuse the oil or the thing the topping that you're actually going to put on it like a maybe the easiest thing to talk about is maybe an oil that you put on top of a, a sauce or mm-hmm. so you can do it that way because you do want to careful with your milligrams you want to know what you're actually consuming and but the other cool part is you don't want to maybe eat infused food but what you want to do which i will be doing at my thanksgiving is smoke some cannabis before the meal so you can enjoy all that food and it's totally normalized and that's another part of thanksgiving the splendor of thanksgiving i think it's great let's face it it will make the food taste a little bit better. And turkey is usually pretty dry and ordinary, in my opinion. So just another way to spice up the holidays. But yeah, the fact that it even exists is another symbol of the fact that uh, that stigma is going away. Right, Joyce? We are crushing the stigma. And another great story in New York Times is about the New York cannabis licensing process that has begun. And today's guest, fortunately, is from New York City. And she knows about this, so we can find more. But yeah, a lot of interesting cannabis news in the, the paper of the Times, whatever the Times calls themselves, the the, the record of the Times. Yeah. 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 What is it called? All the news that's fit to print. <laughs> yeah. So whatever. it's there. It's yeah. true. And let's see. And before we begin in this season of gratitude, I know this is after Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving. I just want to let my listeners know that I am so grateful for this Canna community. The Cannamom Show has really built around us and helping us these past three years. And just want to thank everyone who made it possible. And a reminder, too, that if you've listened to the show, we appreciate it. And uh, if you haven't yet, follow it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pause and and visit uh, com to get in touch with Joyce. Excellent. And also, because this is the holiday season, a little later in the show, I like this part of the experience being on the Cannamom Show, the holiday season. I'm going to be introducing you to Mark Lewis. He's the mastermind behind one of the best pipes. This is the pipe part and unique vaporizers on the market. I actually heard about it from the, I think it was the cannabis online. So I'm going to introduce him. We're talking about it. And that if you saw, I had a little that, reel out this weekend with me and Rick using it. Well, I did not catch that, but the pipe looks very unique. It looks like, how would you describe that? I guess you'll get to it later, but it's uh, surfboard. It's a surfboard. Okay, yeah. It's a mini surfboard. That's a pipe. We'll learn more about that later. Okay. So looking forward to introducing you to this gift for your favorite sophisticated stoner. Good. Trademark that. All right. And (laughs) if you would like to partner with the Cannabom Show in 2023, please reach out. We would love to partner with you. And we have some great new opportunities rolling out in the new year. Get on the train while... Get on this rocket ship while it's still on the platform. Because the Cannabom's going straight to the top. We're the market man. We are the market. Okay, let's move on. We are talking about New York City and women and attorneys and lawyers, which was my original idea. So maybe this is what my life could have been. Um, <laughs> Mine too. Today's guest is a New York corporate attorney focusing her professional practice on cannabis health and wellness businesses, products, and organizations, a very important segment of the growing cannabis world. In addition to being a fierce and proud litigator, she is also a yoga teacher who proudly discusses how her cannabis use has supported her spiritual life and allowed her to be a better litigator. Are we listening here today to share how she transitioned from her litigation practice to what she's doing in cannabis, who she is working with in New York, 
the importance of yoga for attorneys and what her Boston connection is. Please welcome to the Canon Mom Show, Melissa Greenberg. Welcome, my friend. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So happy to be here, especially the day before right. Thanksgiving. And everything going on in New York. So before we jump into your story, can you just give me a commentary on New York's Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act and maybe why it's taken so long for the first round of licenses? And do you think it's looking hopeful? That is a loaded question, Joey. I know. Maybe just maybe a quick overview of like when it passed and now here we are at, is it the 36th they just gave out? Yes. So we are almost two years in the making of getting proposed regulations, but short of that. So we'll give them some credit. I have to say that it is one of the most, if not the most robust regulations out there that we've seen in the country, if probably not, probably in the world. So sometimes actually always patience is a virtue. So it, it depends who you ask. Some people appreciate the um, slow and steady and some people are looking to make it to the finish line a little bit faster. So as a lawyer in the space, I feel both of those things. And this week was a big week for New York. We uh, saw the approval of the first card recipients who will be opening up their dispensaries in New York. So that is very exciting news. I wish them nothing but success and support because that is what they need. And we were told that This will continue on a rollout basis, the way that New York has been handling everything. So we'll continue to see how it rolls out and excited to see the next phase of applications open up, hopefully not too soon into 23. And we also had, like I said, the release of the proposed regulation. So we are now in this important time of public comment period. So definitely for anybody listening, take this time to to insert your comments and discuss with other professionals and business owners and peers what those comments should look like so that we can get the best response. Good advice. Excellent. That's Excellent. Seriously, excellent advice. The idea that who's whispering and the ideas in the ears of the policymakers is so important. So I know people out there, it's good. All right. So thank you. That was a good overview. (laughs) Keep following it. Every state's different. It's all like Willy Wonka land. Hopefully we're learning from each other, but we'll see what happens next. And then when the federal changes, I think it's all going to change again. And this is your job. This is what you've chosen to do with your time. So, all right, let's... (laughs) What is, let's just start with your beginning. So what is your relationship with cannabis and when did you understand that you could use your law degree in this emerging industry? So my relationship with cannabis is fluid. I first explored the plant in college. I went to the University of Rochester for undergrad. That was from definitely a recreational experience, although I think that the line between recreational and medical is quite great. I agree. Um, <clears throat> totally agree. Yeah. And fast forward to, 
I don't know, I graduated in 2011. So however many, a decade later, I would say that my relationship is one that is much more in line with my mindfulness practice, which is why I'm so grateful to be on the podcast the week of Thanksgiving as a yoga teacher and as somebody who prioritizes health and fitness. I have found that cannabis is a way for me to connect to my body um, yeah, for health purposes, for recreational purposes, and uh, yeah, and exploring yeah. it in, in ways through beverages, which is oh, another topic, but definitely in line with with where my, my head's at around it. So you, you're using this to, again, you're, are you still litigating? I know you came from a litigation background. No. So I, I, I shifted practices in April of 21. I moved from a litigation practice that I dedicated the first six and a half years of my career to, to the corporate business formation M&A world and with a focus on the cannabis space. And that was an intentional professional move, correct? Yes. Or, yeah. <laughs> In the corporate world, I would say that cannabis happened not by accident. I was connected with people in the in the industry, in the legal world, but I didn't know that I would, that the seeds that I had planted in terms of finding a way to connect my yoga practice with my legal practice would grow into the kind of, you know, working in the cannabis industry. So just as a former attorney. Current attorney. No, no, as a, I'm just talking oh. about me. So as me as a former okay, attorney, yet. I understand that our general coping mechanism was usually alcohol. There is a lot of stress. And this idea for mindfulness can actually get, I don't know, diminished in a way without. So the flip side of this, the paradox of what the truth is, is that by taking care of your mind and taking care of your by taking care of your body and your spirit, you're helping your mind, which is really the thing you're using when you're litigating. So is this a conversation you've had with other people? Again, it's the lawyers, so they have a certain perspective. But was this something you could actually talk about with people? Was it something people would have dismissed you as? Like, oh, she's just a yoga. There's something wrong with her mind because she's obviously doing this thing. Was that part of, was that a part of your professional experience? So you mean with regards to cannabis or just with- Yeah, yeah. Just in terms of like, more than, even the yoga stuff, the idea that this would be like, it's so healthy, yet I know, I don't know, I'm a little older than you, but this would have been sort of like, what? Can't be a litigator in the high heels and the tight skirt. I have had quite the opposite experience. It's okay. been very well received. In fact, I believe that it's a very large part um, of why I pursued teaching as opposed to simply practicing for myself, because I saw this opportunity to have a platform as a professional in New York City to offer the, the similar, if not same sort of unique arena for a space to move and breathe and connect with your body and your mind, given Living in New York City, it's a it's a very fast moving city. Right. A lot of professionals. There's a lot of professional women. And I have found that my students really respect and want nothing but to talk about the fact that I have found a way to not only dedicate myself to both practices, but to, and that I found a way to integrate the two together. 
All right. So you're at the cutting edge, literally at the cutting edge of New York City cannabis regulations, opening up, marketing the whole, all of it. So, so who are you working? So what, what's, how does that actually look now? So when you transition into this new world, were you reaching out to clients or coming, people coming to you? How did it actually transition and who are you really working with at this point? And what are they looking for, I guess, too? So as a corporate lawyer and as um, an advisor, regulatory advisor, um, I work with clients who are building businesses either in the cannabis space or in the health and wellness space or both trying to find a way to merge the two. So I help them with everything that comes along with building a business. I also work with companies that are at some particular inflection point in their business. So whether they're looking for some sort of sale or acquisition or change in structure. So that's, that's really the, the corporate side of the work that I do and the regulatory work that I do that is obviously super specific to cannabis. And for me, really focusing on East Coast cannabis, really New York, New Jersey, I, I advise on what is going on, which is complex, which is evolving daily and which requires an understanding of what the, the, the landscape is, this environment. I mean, that is, it's evolving is sort of an understatement. This idea that you're at the pinnacle of this legal crux. It's you're having businesses and entities, the legal documents, the regulations are changing on a, I don't know, the regulations are still being written. You're flying the plane and fixing it or whatever that analogy is. You're doing kind of all this stuff. So I know this part of the regulations, the, the change in regulations, I think is interesting. So is there coalitions now of lawyers who are talking about this? Are there any standardized practices putting out there in terms of, I know this is very state specific now. Is there any kind of standardization that's coming up or is it still sort of like every state's doing their own thing? How is that working? I definitely think that, as you said, it's state specific, but New York definitely has learned from other states for for better or worse, they're, they're le we're learning. And I think that's um, super beneficial to the regulation package that we're seeing. There's a direct um, comparison to the alcohol regulations. And the Cannabis Control Board spoke about that. And I think that allows... That allows lawyers, that allows accountants, that allows those professionals in the insurance industry to at least understand what the framework looks like. I mm -hmm. think that the board is open to understanding and definitely has framed and is currently framing something where we know what work has worked from that industry, we know what doesn't work, and we and we hope that they understand that there are, while there are similarities from an, from a, I guess, legal regulatory perspective, there are obvious differences. So I just hope that is discussed and that specifically is discussed in, in terms of packaging and marketing, because I think that's a huge difference between cannabis and alcohol. In terms of the excessive, mar the excess the excessive labeling and the negligent marketing in cannabis? 
It's, a, it's probably one of the most overly regulated industries. And I also think that's for better or worse. And we, it's important to, to make sure that, that marketing practices are at the best, at the highest level that they can be. And that people who are, that are, that people that are, that are drafting these regulations, they really put forth a degree of mindfulness when preparing these, not only for the business owners who are going to be dealing with the complexity of these regulations with packaging and marketing and labeling, but for the consumers, for, for college kids, for, for younger kids, for kids, for marketing, it's 2022. It's literally at their fingertips, at children's fingertips. And personally, I think that there can be a lot more done in um, other industries that target those ages to better educate and ensure that there's some safety around what, what, the, what, what people are, are, are bombarded with in their minds. It's, it's like the weirdly most overregulated. I talk specifically about CBD. It's the most overregulated, underregulated industry I've ever seen. This idea that everything has to be so perfect, you can't get it out the door, like you know, the THC levels and the testing and the 20,000 labels on it and all this stuff. But then you don't really know what's in it uh, unless you know the hemp grow is. So it's a little distressing, but we're working on it. How would, actually, I have a specific question. So I know in New York, probably like Massachusetts, it came in as medical and it was vertical, right? Anyone who came in was a vertical, you had to grow from seed to sale, right? Is that how it came in with the yes, medical? vertical okay. integration. Yeah. Okay. And then now with the licenses, what they're trying to do is to avoid letting kind of the bigger players who are already there with their medical from being the first to get their recreational or whatever. Yeah, Not- I, think, I think that... I think a lot of information came out at the last uh, meeting. So for those interested in New York, yeah. definitely listen to the playback. Yeah. But I think that not only is there a strong interest in ensuring that companies and those with direct interests in companies it tapping into multiple licenses, People have differing opinions on that, and I and I also think that 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 the their interest is like you said, doing whatever is possible to, I would say, not prevent but slow down the the, the perspective. Large companies coming in and taking over those craft businesses. And those craft businesses will exist. Again, look at the alcohol industry, but also look at the alcohol industry because I just, I, I saw this month, there was a very, a big m a in the alcohol space with Montauk Brewing, which is a big beer company in New York up in Montauk. And they were acquired by a company that's no, known in, in the cannabis space. And so... I'm sure that's great for them in a lot of ways. And I'm sure they, they did their best to, to slow the process so that they could really build their name and be recognized as the, slow, as the small craft brewery that they were. And I think that it's important as a business owner and as a professional 
in the space to understand that this is there is this social component of what's going on. Like you said, we're at the precipice of change in history. And then it's also a business. So you have to be aware of what what impending change will do to your company, whether that's federal legalization or or just state changes that will affect your business. And so that's why I think it's so important and critical not to plug lawyers, but really to work with lawyers who understand the landscape because even if you're starting out, you you want to structure your business in a way that sets you up for success. So if you want to stay craft, you want to do everything you can to ensure that you can hold on to that small local route as long as you can. And if you're looking for an acquisition sooner rather, rather than later, then you have to structure yourself another way. So it's important to have that team behind you that you can really work and grow together with. And again, the idea that I talk about Cannabis has everything the real world has. We're just a little upside down and you need a specialist in it. And every level, your accounting is weird because you can't deduct business expenses. Your banking is weird because you can't actually have a bank account. You need specialists who understand. We've been this, through this before, basically, right? And the thing about lawyers is we just think about all the problems that are going to happen and we're trying to help you avoid them. That's like, like right. our daily existence. And it's <laughs> interesting. Yeah, it's interesting being a lawyer in an emerging space because it's a very acceptable answer to tell clients and or prospective clients, I don't know, because we don't know everything. We can advise on what we surmise on what we what we have understood thus far. But if somebody's banking on your answer on every little thing, that's it's just not reality. Like, so you have to be willing to deal with the highs and lows of this industry. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, again, so again, so people are coming to you. Are you having, again, these are early pioneers in the industry. You're going to be brave people and there's going to be funding and financing. And are you having a lot of women led businesses coming forward, uh, minority owned businesses, people coming to you and like willing to take the risk to get, you know, in at the low, ground level? Definitely. I think there's obviously a financial hurdle with any business, but this is certainly unique. And yes, and and those individuals are coming to me specifically from the health and wellness space, which is very exciting and important for me as I begin really to forge out this niche for myself in the space. As I have told my peers in the industry, I'm not trying to be anything other than who I am. I, I'm a, I'm a person first and I'm a um, sister and a friend and a daughter and a girlfriend and yoga has become an ingrained part of my day and my, and it's, it's a practice just like yep. the law is a practice, right? right. It, it, you're constantly, you're never like there, you're never done. You're always learning more if you're open to it. And so to have, we didn't really go into my path too much yet, but like to reach a point in my you know career, eight years in, I hope to have a bright future ahead, but like eight years in to have found this way to connect the two so that I can work with clients in both areas of my life. 
that is just something I feel super grateful for. So that's who I'm trying to target because it's an authentic way right. for me to help businesses. Which is this important idea about women being um, using cannabis and yoga and different ideas of how the business world should look to influence how we or you or people are supporting the businesses that are arising. I think that's like, that's the narrative of cannabis and yoga. I mean, that kind of builds it together that it's not just this one way of being you know, a bunch of white men in suits who might sit in a big room and tell you what to do. And it can be this fluid thing. This can be this world where lawyers can sit next to you and be like, I don't know. That's like, a, that's a miraculous. You have to be an entrepreneur who's willing to accept that. And I think that's what separates those who thrive versus those who might not, because like you said, it's such um, a fluid industry day in and day out. And starting any business is tough, but especially in an industry that's just booming. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to take a break. So we're going to take a break with my friend, Melissa Greenberg, a New York City Canada attorney. I want to get more a little bit her personal story, her Boston connection. And what are the challenges she's going to be focusing on after she finishes the podcast with me? Okay. <laughs> Melissa, we'll be back in a minute or five. All right. Welcome, my friend, Mark Lewis. He's out there in Oregon. He has a company, Pearl Labs. Let's see. Can you just, Mark, just introduce yourself and give our listeners a little bit of your background? And while you feel confident in your ability to design and build this very cool cannabis consumption system that I talked about a little earlier. Yeah. Well, good morning, uh, Joyce. Thank you for, for having me on the show. And good morning uh, to Melissa as well. I loved all your comments and, and particularly the focus, not only of empowering women, but introducing cannabis really as a way of, of managing your health and well-being from a, from a physical standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint, from a personal wellness standpoint. So love all of that. And that's really in line with who we are as a company too. We really see ourselves as a, as a health and wellness company, not a device manufacturer because our, our broader objective here is to really bring more joy and delight into people's lives and to help them manage their well-being more effectively. So my own background, actually, I started out as a rocket scientist. So I did work in the aerospace industry. So like literally great. people, <laughs> <laughs> we have very high caliber people entering our industry. <laughs> so, so yes, as a matter of fact, I am a rocket scientist. So when you get that question, it's not rocket science. It really is for, for what we put into the design of our products. But before people start thinking about our products as a tech heavy device, we actually went the opposite direction and, and tried to create the most elegant and simplest device that we could, something that was really designed forward and, and artfully designed uh, so that it could be uh, sitting out on your, your coffee table so that you could use it with pride and not feel like you are, are doing drugs. Uh, and, it's, you... and, it, 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 and it is beautiful. So I will say, I actually reached out to him because I saw this beautiful pipe and the atomizer, which I can't reach, but I do have that here. And I, yeah, there we go. It looks like a surfboard. Can you just kind of go through, like, it's an audio only podcast, but just yeah, kind of go so through the design element. So it looks like a surfboard. Sure. It has a cool removable top, which my husband says is awesome for cleaning. We've been using it this weekend. And he says it just, he loves this thing. He thinks it feels beautiful in his palm. So yeah, just describe a little bit how you came up with this design and why it's so unique and how it works with the atomizer. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, the the pipe actually took a while longer to design because I'm part I'm particular about some things. So the pipe is we make the wood pipe board uh, that is looked like it looks like an airfoil or a stand up paddle board or a surfboard or a skateboard. And we we designed that intentionally with aerodynamic sort of features to it because of my background in, in aerospace engineering. Uh, and it's and also then in reference to the idea its name is the Terp Surfer, because with our device, you're able to surf your terpenes, those aromatics that really give rise to the nuance of your cannabis experience and have uh, beneficial effects themselves. So to surf your terps using only your breath. And so the pipe itself has a wooden base that's like a surfboard. And then it has a titanium bowl that's attached magnetically. So the titanium acts as a cooling. It's very inert. It's beautiful metal used in surgical implants, very pure. So we really wanted the purest experience possible, not to taint the the benefits of the plant uh, in any way, shape, or form. So, and then, like your husband mentioned, the removability of the of the bowl is also for cleaning because I really don't like to do dishes. And one of the complaints I've had with with a, a number of of cannabis devices out there is just simply trying to keep them clean. Um, yes. and so here, and, and I we we discussed this earlier. So I'm not really a um, vapor. I'm trying more and more. My husband loves to vape, but he does complain about the putki of keeping it clean. So right. this was a huge addition. So all right. So explain to me the how you came up with the arrow. The so the other technology really that came uh, first was the. We're, we're calling it an atomizer. So it does vaporize your cannabis, but it doesn't have a chamber for your herb. It's really uh, a handheld micro roaster or a, uh, a heater. Some people have called it a pipe saber <laughs> because you, you basically put it on your pipe or your bong and then you inhale. And the power of your own breath is what drives the temperature of the air and the extraction then of your compound. So it does vaporize your your cannabis flower or concentrates, really driven by your own breath, which draws the cool air into the device. It warms up and then delivers just perfectly heated air to your herb where it extracts those aromatics and the cannabinoids without any combustion, without any ash or any of those toxic compounds that come from combustion. So you can put concentrate in here too as well? You can do other things? Yeah, yeah. Oh. We have a concentrate insert. We didn't send that to you, but if you're interested, okay. <laughs> we'll, I'll send no, it. It's an that's all organic little uh, concentrate puck that uh, fits in the Terp Surfer and allows you to use waxes, shatters, live rosin. We, I've stayed away. I'm not a dabber. No, I, 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 I am not, but I was curious this summer. I got a like half hour dissertation at the cannabis store I went to in Cape Cod. This is no joke. The kid really knew his business. And so he convinced me to buy this little pen and just a little bit of concentrate. And I actually went to, uh, I actually went to visit the farm, the lab where they make it. And that was like, anyway, so I did try it. I'm curious about it. It's not really my thing, but I get it. But that's interesting. Okay. It's very versatile, this little, and it's pretty. Yeah, we wanted to create one of the things that that I complain about with technology, like the Keurig model, uh, if you will, is that the technology then is driving your experience rather than you driving your experience. So we wanted to make it flexible to use with flour, to use with concentrate, to use with your favorite bong, to use with your favorite pipe, 
so that you have the versatility to have the kind of experience that you're setting out to have. And with the device and with a little breath technique, you can drive it up to close to feeling like combusting, or you can have it really much lighter experience with so that you're really exploring those aromatics and those lighter terpenes, if you will, with your breath. So so the whole right, that, that, spectrum of experience. That, so that's my audience, ladies or gentlemen listening. You want to do something that feels classy and feels clean and doesn't make you cough a lot. This is the thing to check out. So Mark, uh, just one more time, state your mission and then let people know how they can find this for the holidays. Because I think this would be a great something for you to find under the tree or yeah, next to your menorah or in your stocking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we think it makes a fantastic gift for those people who really love and are curious about cannabis, who really want a more mindful experience, uh, full of ritual. They're not into the grab and go, but really want to sit down and and have uh, an experience more like they have with wine or, or a nice beer. And we really are. So that mindful consumption is really important to us. For, the, for your listeners, we have a discount code set up for Canamom. Uh, so C-A-N-N-A-M-O-M uh, for a 15% uh, discount on, on all products. So uh, that'll to... be in the show notes because we love yeah. giving and in and, and our newsletter. If you're surprised, Fantastic. remember to subscribe. You never know what you're going to find for great things. And uh, one more thing. So you have a Boston connection, right? Are you going to be out here? Yeah, my soon? son. My son's uh, went to Tufts and then is is now working in the legal uh, side of things a legal economist. So he does economic analysis for legal cases. So yeah. Well, yeah. Tufts is literally down the street. So if you're in Boston, love to hang yeah. out, get get a coffee in Davis Square. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. So our, our company uh, name is Pearl Labs. That's P-R-R-L-L-A-B-S.com. So thank you so much for having me on the show, Joyce. Thank and you, Mark. Enjoying it. I am. It's awesome. We're loving it. Check out my video. You can see my husband. He always gets more attention than me. Okay. <laughs> Ladies, I don't understand it. All right. <laughs> we are back with Melissa Greenberg. So your family and cannabis. So you're a relatively young woman. Uh, you are, are you married? I am not. Not married. All right. So in your family growing up and with your friends, how is this? Um, what's the cannabis relationship with your family? And were they supportive of you moving into sort of changing your practice, I guess, or moving into this practice or whatever they thought you were doing? Yeah. Definitely. I have a very close family unit, a very supportive uh, family. My parents have always encouraged me to find success and, do, and or rather determine what success means for me, which I think is really important as a parent to instill in your children because it will be defined differently by every individual. And I was never the type of child, my sister too, who needed that push to study and that push to to work hard. We were both just did it. Didn't and yeah, no. our parents didn't really have to like hound us to do our work. Um but they definitely were very involved parents, um, still are at 33. And my sister's 35 with two kids. We definitely feel the, you know, the, our, our parents' presence. And I'm grateful for that. It's unique. And in terms of moving into the cannabis space, I think that 
It's 2022 and cannabis is just another emerging industry. And I think the more, I think it's critical to work towards destigmatizing cannabis. However, I also, or not however, and I think it's very important to, to, to individually just make it part of your verbiage and your life and incorporate it in ways that are authentic to who you are. And that's really what I did. It's not like I didn't wake up one day and decide, okay, I'm moving into the cannabis industry. I'm now going to be consuming every day. I'm now going to be posting about different products. That's just not me. It's just not me. I, I actually have moved, like I said in the beginning, into the cannabis beverage space. I love cannabis beverages. Not only do, is it amazing to find ones that taste good, obviously, but I have found that the more conversation and understanding I've had around alcohol and its negative side effects to my physical health and my mental health have pushed me towards finding other outlets for social intake or social consumption. And also, I'm a very big um, supporter of CBD use. I have have dealt with anxiety throughout my life. And definitely being a lawyer ha- intensifies that for me in some ways. Yoga definitely alleviates that for me in some ways. But as you and I had discussed once, I I personally find, and this is exactly what I've told my parents and what I tell my friends and anybody that I have the chance to talk about this with, cannabis, whether it's a beverage, a CBD product, THC, whatever it is, it's simply another tool. It's simply another um, asset to the, the offerings that I've created for myself. So in addition to finding yoga, to finding meditation, to finding therapy, cannabis in all its forms offers another opportunity for me to connect with myself physically, spiritually, and and emotionally. Amen, sister. All right. And you said you have, do you have nieces? Do you have uh, little children around? I who do. Are- I have an almost five-year-old nephew and an almost one-year-old niece. Okay, so with the can so my story is I did not consume when my children were younger. I probably should have, but I did not. So it was not normalized that way. But the Canada moms are normalizing it because their kids are seeing it from the very beginning. It's just like a thing that whatever, it's just around. It's normalized. So are you seeing this at all with your sister and her kids? Or is, are you allowed to talk? I, I don't know how, what the relationship is, but yeah, is this something that's going on in her household? So my sister's not much of a consumer of any type of She's not a big drinker. She's not a big Mm. cannabis consumer. Maybe tried it here and there. My brother-in-law likes to consume when he's when he's in the mood, and definitely, I am confident that that's not in front of his kids. And I think honestly that that's a personal decision. I don't feel like that's not furthering destigmatization. First of all, they're so young that they want. Oh, they're very young. yeah. I think alcohol is the same thing. Yeah. I think that it's very socially accepted to go to Thanksgiving and sit around the table with bottles of alcohol. And 
That is, it. nobody thinks twice. And you should think twice because a five-year-old actually is aware of what's going on and what the normalcy of that is. And yeah. while I don't think it's, potent, it's, it's necessarily acceptable, in my opinion, you're not acceptable, but maybe wouldn't be the wouldn't be accepted rather at my Thanksgiving table at my sister's house to be sitting at the Thanksgiving table smoking. What I do think would be acceptable, and what I and what and I don't think she would have a problem is consuming a cannabis beverage. Of course. So I think there's ways of going about it that can teach children from a young age how to safely consume anything exactly so we're modeling they're watching us well i know there are there are quite a few books now written by some of my friends about growing can what's growing in grandma's garden they have some other cannabis just introductory books to children about it's a plant and this is how this plant works and this is why they're growing it because they use it for these things and it's very um very basic just like any other we don't do that with alcohol this is (laughs) no and 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 just to complete that thought i was talking to my dad the other day he was he was in the city and he commented on how how immense the smell is of cannabis now funny which is truly i mean at its roots a good thing because new york is is the only state where you can smoke you can you can you could consume cannabis anywhere that you can consume cigarettes right and i'd much rather smoke cannabis than a cigarette personally again though that's i digress He was talking about how about the fact that there are some people, though, who shouldn't smoke, who who inhaling smoke into their lungs isn't healthy for them. I agree. I 100 percent agree. But you know what? There's a lot of things. There's prescription drugs that people shouldn't be taking. There's even non-prescription drugs like Advil or Tylenol that's bad for certain types of people. Alcohol is detrimental to not only your liver but literally to your your brain, like directly correlated to- It's not good for your skin. Brain. You just don't look good. And so it's like, not even, it's not even a worse compares, comparing. It's just more of like, my answer to that is educate yourself. And as a parent, educate your children so that you are, un, and, and connect with your body so that you know what you should feed it and what you shouldn't. And that's definitely individualized. And I think that's the kind of understanding of cannabis. It's a wellness, individualization. It isn't for everyone. Not everyone can smoke. Not everyone can even take edibles. That's a whole nother discussion. We metastasize this plant medicine differently, which is why we need more studies, which is why we need more legalization so we can actually figure out how this is going to work best. And it should be on the front line of defenses. It shouldn't be the thing, ladies and my friends, this is the story is, are finding it because they're desperate. That's the thing we need to stop. And again, extremism is a vice. I'm sure there are lots of other issues, but there's lots of other things in our world that are very dangerous and we've learned how to regulate them and hopefully contain them and use them wisely. So, all right. One more thing because we're running up on time. New York, huge. (laughs) Things are flying every day. What do you think a year from now? What are you looking that you want to focus your energy on this year? Where are you really keeping your eye on the ball? What's happening for you in New York this year. Okay. Well, if it's okay, I want to combine that answer with my Boston connection because oh, yeah. it's so hand Absolutely. in hand. So I just wanted to bring that back. Um, my last question, what's your Boston connection? Oh, okay. well, I'll do it. Bring I'll it do in. It in one. One. Thank I'll you. I'll do it in one. So 
When I graduated college in 2011, I moved to Boston. I went to law school at Suffolk University Law School, and I lived in the North End for three years. I immediately lost 10 pounds when I left the North End. But I Nice place, though. Yeah. <laughs> I love Boston. It's an amazing city. It's an amazing city to be a part of change because it's always been an East Coast state that's at the forefront of, 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 of progress. So it, it's a wonderful city and it's a wonderful state. And uh, when I moved back to New York and started my practice as a lawyer in 2014, and again, like I said, started my, the, the, the first chunk of my career as a litigator, I found through a coworker who's one of my close friends that yoga was her outlet and she was actually finishing her training. And I started practicing with her and I fell in love with it. As somebody who spent, um, I've always been an athlete. I never was a yogi um, until later in my life. As a proud Jewish woman, I wanted to find a way to connect to something bigger than myself, connect it to something spiritually that wasn't necessarily religious. And that is what yoga did for me. And I was and am committed to using my platform as a teacher to help others find that connection. And so when I was able to connect that with, with, with my legal practice, cannabis became this while by chance to an extent, I think very intentional with the seeds that I was planting as to figure out what was next for me. Because like I said, I work with individuals and companies in the health and wellness sphere who are either moving into cannabis or already in the cannabis space. And I just want to highlight, like, for me, it's not about encouraging or, or explaining why you should use cannabis in your yoga practice. My opinion about that isn't even important. It's just really educating yourself as to what the benefits are of cannabis for you. And if that is part of your yoga practice, which is really a mindfulness practice, it's just a practice to connect your body, your mind, and your heart through all different things, asana, which is physical movement, meditation, breath work, all these different things, then amazing. And that's why there's this super authentic and integral connection between the industries. So what I see moving into part two in, in this space in a year is even more focus on the health and wellness um, sector of the cannabis industry. Every conference I've been to in the last six months has had more than one panel on this. And I'm so excited that I positioned myself as this attorney in this niche world of health and wellness and cannabis because it is who I am. And clients mm -hmm. and people recognize that, that I'm not just selling something, I'm living it. And I think that's important to help businesses that are looking not only to start, but to sustain themselves. Because if you don't understand the industries personally, I don't think you necessarily know what's fully in their best interest. So, right. yeah. And, and, I, and so I, I see that just continuing to evolve, especially in New York. New York is not only going to be the hub of cannabis retail and consumption, 
but it's going to be the hub of wellness centers in in all different in all different ways and that is a very very exciting time for new york oh my all right so this is so exciting so i literally talk about women chained in the industry in my daughter's bedroom but she's one of them doing it so (laughs) (laughs) thank you again doing things because they have to be done coming from an authentic place using your brain and influencing how people understand what this plant is and not just going into it for money and kind of shift shifting the narrative that's what we're doing so excited all right i um i'm actually i'm out of time i didn't realize it all right uh melissa if people want to get in touch with you they want to reach with you they're in new york and they need a good attorney how do they find you so um in this day and age instagram's a great way to connect with me i post about the work i do for the legal work and the advisory work that i do and i also post about my yoga classes so you can find me there at Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A underscore Lee, L-E-I-G-H 89. And you can also connect with me on LinkedIn, which is probably the social, is it social media? I guess social media outlet that I use the most these days. Yeah. So Melissa Greenberg, and that's B-E-R-G. So I hope I'll connect with you. All in the show notes. And I do think cannabis and professional women on LinkedIn, that's really the center of it all for right now. That's where we are. Yes. Okay. Oh, thank you, Melissa. That was awesome. All right. So another show, people, another show. So for my guest, Melissa Greenberg, and of course, Mark Lewis, and my canna bro, David Jazz, and our canna mom show team, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the canna mom show, where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, a Boston podcast network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.